Let's spell a song so you can sing along with one special guest star or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a brand new guest to the podcast. He is the host of Broadway by Ghostlight on YouTube and a podcast? Not really sure. Just, just YouTube. Just YouTube. Just YouTube. It's Mark Bonani, everyone. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I hope I didn't fuck up your last name. No, you was perfect. Yes. Um... <laughs> And today, Mark picked a movie called Cats film. Don't... A, a film. film. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a motion picture, an animated motion picture an called animated. Cats Don't film. Dance from 1997. Uh, screenplay by Robert Scanaway, Cliff Ruby, Alana Lesser, and Teresa Pettengill. Music and lyrics by Randy Newman. Woo! Randy Newman. Uh, directed by Mark Dindle. And according to IMDb, Danny, an ambitious singing and dancing cat, goes to Hollywood and overcomes several obstacles to fulfill his dream of becoming a movie star. That old tale. And this is also about racism, everyone. Yeah, sure is. Well, I was looking through, you know, and I was I was trying to find a movie, you know, that you haven't done because you've gotten so many, you've had so many amazing episodes. I was like, what's a movie that probably no one thinks of? And I I was looking through my my movies, and I was like, Cats Don't Dance. I bet no one picks Cat Don't Cats Don't Dance. And uh, I've never heard of this movie. I'm not. You gonna have. I, pro- well, I'm. I was trying to think back to 1997. I was nine, so I was the target audience. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever seen this movie. No, basically, it it came at a time when Turner Classic Movies, who was the the studio behind this, like it was their one and only animated feature. Um, they did the Page Master with uh, yes. I remember that, so which is like a hybrid uh, animation live action, with which this was also supposed to be uh, at one point. But uh, yeah, anyway, they just decided that uh, the the executives kept changing, like the person in charge of the studio while they were making this film changed over like five times or something crazy. And basically they just thought at the end of the day, they're like, you know what? No one's going to see this movie. And they put no money behind the marketing. They just did a soft release and just let it die, basically. It's not surprising that you didn't see it. They, I saw on IMDb that there was like a tie-in with subway <laughs> yeah there was weird and like um an airline where you got like 125 dollars off a flight if you bought the EHS or the laser disc or something <laughs> i don't know crazy that's amazing i mean yeah. i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed this movie like i was just like ah racism got it got you i see you right? i understand you but also the story of gene kelly yeah, and he was one of the consultants uh, on the film. It was his last film project that he ever sort of worked on. He doesn't, wasn't really involved that much. Um, he's credited as choreographer, but he really just spoke to the filmmakers about like how they made the old Hollywood movies 
because it's certainly when you watch it, it's clearly inspired by classic MGM musical feel. And again, like watching this, Hollywood likes movies about Hollywood. So the yep. fact that there was like, they're not nominated for any awards. They let it die. Like, I was just yeah. so surprised that this movie exists and like, Probably you and a handful of other people have only heard of it. Right? Actually, it did win an award. It it won the Annie Award for Best Animated Feature, beating out Hercules that year. Okay. And it was the first time an Annie Award winner for Best Feature was not a Disney film. All right. Get it. I overspoke. Right? <laughs> I over... But yet, but yet they had no confidence in it. It also won... The Annie Award for Best Individual Achievement Music in a Feature slash Home Video Production for Randy Newman. Hey. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, this film went through a lot of process and a lot of early drafts, which is very interesting. Randy Newman was not the original composer on the film. Maltby and Shire actually wrote five wrote five songs for the movie that were ended up, of course, not being used. I would love to get my hands on a demo of that. And I would, that would have sounded like I was reading that the character Sawyer, who is voiced by Jasmine Guy. Now, for those of you who may recognize that name, she was on A Different World. Um, that's how I know her as Whitley from A Different World. Um, but she wasn't the original choice for the uh, the role of Sawyer. It was hold on Nancy Giles. And they said on IMDb that like her Nancy's voice matched better with Natalie Cole. It's a bit jarring when when Natalie Cole starts singing. Yeah, and you're like, clearly where is this voice. coming from? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. like, I mean, God, who does who does Danny's voice? It's um, it's um, Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula, yeah. who's like the only person in the film that sings and speaks his line. Everyone else is. A different singing, a different singer than the voice actor. Wait, he? Oh, oh, he was I a didn't... Broadway guy. He he starred in Broadway musicals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Kathy and Jimmy also sang. <laughs> That's true. Kathy and Jimmy also her unmistakable but, voice. How did you hear of this movie? I'm intrigued. You know, I it wasn't like I grew up with this movie. I would have been in middle school when this came out, so definitely wasn't the demographic. I didn't watch it until my oldest daughter was young and uh, we just threw it on one day just randomly. I, I can't remember if it was on Netflix or where where we found it. And I just fell in love with it. I just thought this is so much fun and so uh, unexpected because I'm, you know, I love the old movie musicals. Singing in the Rain is the greatest film uh, or greatest, certainly the greatest movie musical ever made. And this movie was right. very influenced by Singing in the Rain, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, the original concept, though, well, the, the idea came because on the old MGM lot, when they were filming all these classic musicals, like Music Man and stuff, the, the studio lots were just infested with all these feral cats. And so they wanted to make a film sort of like on those lives of those cats. And they weren't, weren't going to be like, People, cats, anthropomorphic. What's the word? Anthropomorphic. Uh huh. Anthropomorphic. Morphic. I can't yes. speak. But they were going to be like regular cats, cats, but like they could also speak. Um, and then it was supposed to be a live action 
lead guy. And the film was made and created with and for Michael Jackson. Yes, I did read that. And he was also going to write the music for it. Yeah. And then after a year, he bounced and uh, and we got the movie we did today, which I feel like I enjoy the movie for what it is. But I also see the potential. I think if they had the time and the money spent in it, reading about it, there's a lot of choices that were made, uh, good or bad, that ended up just be- because they ran out of money. The guy who directed it voiced Max, the the giant butler guy. <laughs> and uh, it was just like the recording. It was just like he recorded it just so the animators had something to draw before yeah. they hired a real actor, but then they ran out of money, so they just kept his voice in the film. Honestly, I felt like this movie was more for like, like it wanted to be for kids. Like they that's who they wanted the target demo to be, but like it felt more like Cool World or um, Who Filmed Definitely. Roger Rabbit. Yeah, scored. definitely. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I think, for sure. And yeah, Cool World. That's so funny. I forgot about that movie. Um, definitely that feel where it's, yeah, they it could have gone in a more a more adult way. Well, because there were some moments and some jokes that I was just like, this is really for the adults. Like, it's not just for kids or especially all the references that they make. Because, yes, kids will understand entirely. Yeah, I mean, Louis B. Mayer jokes, kids can't get enough of those. Uh-huh, the posters at the end that where they had Twister. That's when it loses me. That's when it that loses me. It's like, why are you, why are you doing modern movies? They, yes. I mean, they talk about that. And I was reading uh, reading about the film, and they talk about how, like, they had to make that concession, like, so they wouldn't touch other things in the movie. They were like, fine, you can have your commercials for all your new films in our little movie. Yeah, they wanted to move it to the 1950s and have it be rock and roll for a little while. And... Oh, no. I, I saw that it's supposed to take place in, like, 1930s. 1939. Yeah, I think 1939 era is. But, like, it felt like with some of the technology and some of, like, the styling of them, it was earlier than that, or sometimes a little later. I'm like, I don't yeah. know where we are. Time that is wise. true. It's just old Hollywood old hollywood yeah i i mean for me i didn't really write anything down because i was just thoroughly watching and enjoying this although darla is a sociopath i will say darla is absolutely like one of the best film villains ever she is the shadow of shirley temple Mm -hmm. the upside down version of her Norma Desmond and Shirley Temple. It's if, if Shirley Temple played Norma Desmond, that's what oh, you would get. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. With Max, her butler, who is just like from, was straight out of Sunset Boulevard. It is. I, I read that too. And I was like, oh, okay. They made it kind of like Tiny Toons in a way, where it was for kids, but mm-hmm. they may were making a lot of jokes for the adults. She flat out tries to murder them. She really does. She really does. And that's when I was just like, oh, little white girl. <laughs> that was the one you got to watch out for. Going against the animals that are clearly people of color. Ha 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 Yeah, she's just and so calculating and so, I mean, the animation style on her and how just how slow it is. You know, she'll be in this sweet little position, you know, talking on the phone and then We'll get a shot of her with her shadow, you know, like a giant monster villain mm-hmm. against the wall. I love it. 
Or like, or like at the end when she tries to, again, murder the animals. They do uh-huh. the thing where they do this in every animated, where she does like this big Cheshire Cat evil smile, but then like the rest of her costume gets like a little sharper. So like her <laughs> bow goes from like this nice pretty little girl bow to like sp- spiky points to be like, totally. she's evil, everyone. So good. She's so funny and her songs i mean we'll get to her songs but her songs are are the highlight of the film for sure at least for me so you said you watched this first with your kids did i mean i'm assuming they're of the age range that this movie is trying for yeah i mean she's she's eight now but i feel like we watched it probably when she was like three or four but for the first time so yeah i mean she she really loved it at the time did you have to explain a lot of things to her like some of the references or was she just no, she was she was young enough where she just enjoyed it for what it was, and and I, I'd be interested. I tried to get her to watch it now, re- more recently when I wa- rewatched it, but uh, she she wasn't interested. How dare she? Dad's gonna do some these work. Kids today. Dad's gotta do some work. Let's have some, some nostalgic moment together, right? He's I'm playing. I've never, I've never met your daughter. I'm just yelling at her for you. Uh, thank you, thank you. Welcome. My youngest, I have a younger daughter who is Darla, which, you know, take that as it is. Yeah. She's I'm so sorry. Keep her away from animals. She's a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to watch out for that one. And levers and buttons and things like that. Because (laughs) so many levers and buttons. So all of them. Is just ridiculous. Um, Okay. So let's get into the music a little bit. Uh, There's seven songs, which is. Wow, that feels like a lot. I, I, when I when I rewatched it, had been, it had been a little while since I since I'd watched the film, and I went back and rewatched it the other day. I was like, I feel like there were used to be a lot more songs in this movie. It didn't seem like that much, but seven—that's pretty good. Well, I mean, Big and Loud has a reprise too, kind of. Yeah, it's sort it's of just, yeah, one song. Yeah, um, and then also the Danny's Arrival song. Oh, that's like played the generic like when he's yeah, on the but bus. He's, He's on the bus and he's he's causing havoc for Sawyer and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like these are long sequences. That's why I think yes. the name of them are like uh Animal Jam Session. Like it, there's not a real title to it. It's because yeah. like in the movie it's like a good 8 minutes or something like that. Yeah. I mean it's this like... movie is only 75 minutes long. It is. It is a breeze. And halfway through, I was just like, oh, God, there's, I have another 35 minutes left? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Well, because it feels like, it might just be because of the animation style and everything, but it feels like it is Tiny Toons, Looney Tunes, those kind of cartoon shows that they did like a, a, a an hour-long special or something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's. I mean, yeah, it's... it's definitely warner brothers style for sure yeah Um, yeah but uh, but like at at the halfway point i think i was just like okay i'm ready for the commercial break right (laughs) like was the tiny tune how i spent my summer vacation you remember that movie something there was the one that i'm thinking of is when they did it's a wonderful life that's a good episode if you want to like have the feels i'd say go for that that. but in this movie darla is making a Noah's Ark picture. Yeah. 
yeah i love all the posters in her house it's like darla get your gun and yankee doodle darla it's like all these famous movies done with darla yeah and they're making what is it like little angel little archangel or something little like archangel that, yeah it's just hysterical the thing though is that at the end when they're doing the animals on the posters they don't make them into puns which is what i think i wanted yeah they they should have done that or at least just continued with old hollywood stuff instead of doing all these new yeah i mean yeah that was the, they the, could have lost that whole thing. The turtle character in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I did guffaw at that one. That was a good you one. You know, thinking of Don Knotts as one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would bring me joy. Yes. Yes. And isn't that a pleasant thought to have on this whatever day it is that this episode comes out on? Yes. Don Knotts. Don. It's got a great, it's got a great supporting cast. The woman who plays the uh, the old fish was the voice of Cruella DeVille in 101 Dalmatians. Oh! Yeah, I think this was her last film role, too. Betty Lou Garrison? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was the voice of Cruella DeVille. And Hal Holden, and oh, Hal Holbrook. Um, and we said earlier, Kathy Jimmy. she plays the hippo, which, what is that hippo on? That hippo's gotta <laughs> be on speed or something, right? I th- I think it's Kathy Jimmy's her little character that she created. It was very, you know, Sister Act era Kathy Jimmy of, you know, big bubbly, full of life. <laughs> Cuz like she she delivers her lines so rapid and I'm just like you are you are on something. I mean, you can't just be right? that excited all the time. Madam Hippo. Especially since everyone else is like an old crotchety character. Yes. The old goat and the old fish and I, the old I, elephant and th- this movie had some great puns as well where they would like say something about an animal and then the animal would show up on screen or be like this place is a pigsty sorry norm like <laughs> there is great one-liners and i know a lot of those came from cinco paul cinco paul was one of the writers on this cinco paul created uh and wrote schmigadoon one of my favorite shows Ah, of all yes. time and also the despicable me movies and lots of other secret life of pets and so i when i was watching it recently i saw his name pop up in the credits so i wrote to him i was like oh my god you worked on this film tell me about it and he said it was his first screenwriting credit um and he added a, in a lot of the bits for the the sort of the secondary animals the the did he write the animals one, did he write that joke for the fish where she says i'm thirsty and throws a martini glass on her face probably he, i think he said he did a lot of the um uh fortune cookie gags for the which i loved for the turtle oh my god so, yeah cinco paul shout out to cinco paul shout out to cinco paul cinco paul what are you doing come on the podcast let's talk let's talk right let's actually get more into the songs i'm sorry i'm bouncing all over the place just like this movie um just like this movie so we have the little boat on the sea, which is supposed to be the big movie musical moment. Yeah, it's very like Good Ship Lollipop parody. Where uh, Danny, is he named Danny because Gene Kelly played two characters named Danny McGuire? That is, that's a good guess. The only good reason- guess is any. The only reason why I know that is because he does it in Xanadu, which I've covered twice now on this podcast. 
And then he's in a movie called Cover Girl from 1944 with Rita Hayworth, mm-hmm. where he plays the same character name. And I try to connect some dots and be crazy <laughs> fan theory about that. But and it was a sequel to Cover Girl. Who knew? Uh, no, it's another movie called um, um, Down to Earth with Rita Hayworth, where she plays oh, 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 Down to Earth, where she plays the Greek muse Tsikari. Natural. Ah, there we did a whole arc. We did a whole. Arc. <laughs> I know you're busy, Mark, but we did a whole arc where I did those three movies back to back to back, and so them dedicating this to Gene Kelly and him being the movement the uncredited movement coach or whatever. I was just like, Danny McGuire? Or Danny Catguire then? <laughs> We're going with a pun? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I-, I gotta say, though, like, these songs did not sound like a typical... Well, some of them did not sound like a typical Randy Newman song. No. No. I mean, yeah, except for the... Uh, some of them. But yeah, I would... Yeah, it's very... um. Uh, what's the word? Very uh, old Hollywood inspired. Yeah, yeah. It's it sounds period big, appropriate. Big There's a word for it, number. but it's not coming up to my brain. It does homage very well. Like a uh, big and loud. That sounds like a Broadway number, not like a uh, Randy Newman at all, or like a uh, classic Hollywood. That sounds like you know. I I can't even think of a an analogy for that one. Well, the the girl who does the singing voice for Darla, uh, as soon as I heard her voice, I was like, "Oh, that's the little girl from Ruthless." If you know the show Ruthless at all, it played off Broadway and in Los Angeles right around like '93, so sort of when this movie was being made, because um, it sat on the shelf before it was released for a while, but. Um, I- yeah, that makes sense. He plays a little little musical theater kid who's, I mean, I don't want to give anything away for Ruthless, but very much in the vein of Darla, um, very similar type. And it's brilliant casting that they had her sing that. So I'd say if you know Ruthless, there's a pro shot somewhere. Uh, very. Oh, I know that. Ruthless. I've seen Ruthless. There's a, there's a production of it on Broadway HD. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the recent one, not the one with this little girl. But um, No, but uh, I'm looking her up. originated that role. She was also the second Morgan Matthews in Boy Meets World. Oh. She has a lot of child acting roles, and then she was in Girl Meets World, but that's it. So, who knows? What she? What else she's been up to? Maybe, maybe living out that ruthless life, right? When they do the stage version of this, which I think they very much should, of cats don't, don't dance, of cats don't dance. I think it would if they padded it out, added some more songs, and fleshed out the story. I think it would be a brilliant stage production. I think it could really work. Would you change anything? I mean, there would have to be, I mean, it's so slight. There would have to be some kind of of uh, fleshing like, out. I think you could go deeper into Sawyer's character. and You need to change a lot of the action because, like... Yeah, you couldn't flood the stage or anything like that. But it would be fairly easy to get, get or, the King Kong puppet to play Max. It could work. I, I love that, that King Kong had a high-pitched voice. <laughs> that was amazing. I was like, you uh, know yeah, what? Did not expect this joke. Great. Did not expect King Kong, first of all. Right. I guess 
little boat on the sea would have to be very different if you were to do it on stage than in with an animated character yeah it's like i wonder if you would if it would be easier to change the plot from hollywood old hollywood to old broadway so that they could do the number but it's clearly a set and not like actual water i mean i think you could still do old hollywood it's just like you can't have her fly around the entire stage for however long yeah and be i mean yeah, it would have to be but i think it would i mean i just want to see big and loud done live by somebody <laughs> that's all i want in the world Okay. Uh, hey, hey, I've got some friends that could do it. We'll figure it out. There you go. 54 below. 54. Things <laughs> cats don't dance. Sell out three night event. Oh my God. Sorry, I'm getting over something. I'm not dying, I promise. You're, you're or getting I am. over watching cats don't dance. I'm getting over watching cats don't dance. <laughs> I'm allergic to cats. So watching <laughs> animated cats like started something, I think. I hear you. I hear you. I also don't understand. This also is probably another reference or something, but like when they're doing the Noah's Ark mm-hmm. movie, they look like they're dressed like they're in the Sound of Music or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's a mixture between the uniform and the play clothes. And I was just like, what is going on here with this? I'm trying to picture the outfits. Like they, oh, they are they sailors? Are they like little sailors? And the men are in blue with uh, pants, and the women are in pink with a pleated skirt or something. And I was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Generic, uh, yeah. And then of Isn't course, that there's... when he starts like uh, improving, like meow 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 meow. Yes, this is where he fucks when up. She shoots him when he first sings, and Darla just shoots him this little side eye. It cracks me up. It is so specific. The animators did a brilliant job. Meanwhile, everyone's like, don't do this. And he still does it. And it's yeah. like, okay, well. I get- yeah, Danny would have to be to be grounded a little more if to, in, a, in a live version. He's very, very one note. Just like, I'm going to go to Hollywood. And that's his whole... His and he whole has a arc. checklist of things to do in a week. And I was yep. like, even in, by 1930 standards, that's not how it's done. Because there's a, there's a little no, unknown, um, you may know of, of her, there's a little unknown um, background extra called Best Flowers, where she, her career spans from like 30, 40 years, and she's done... She's credited, well, she's uncredited, really, because she's a background extra, for over 900 roles. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Best Flowers? Best Flowers. She is wow. the most unknown person that uh, in Hollywood. Um, where, And she has had some little roles here and there, but, like, you, just... you blink, you miss her kind of a thing. Wow. And That's crazy. And to think, like, you know, she got she got money for this, obviously. She got paid, even if she was uncredited. So, like, I guess that was her goal. But, like, you have to start somewhere. And I guess that's what this movie's glossing over to get to that Hollywood dream. Yeah. You got to take the shitty role and say meow. Right. Otherwise, yeah. you don't get paid that week. That's the unfortunate thing. But like, 
that's the, that's the hard reality, especially nowadays where people are being discovered like on social media and things like that. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok stars. TikTok, yes. I don't, I don't, I gotta get on that TikTok. I'm too old. I don't understand it, but I'm trying. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I can yeah. barely do Twitter. <laughs> I don't do Twitter. I gave up <laughs> on that. I, don't, I never understood it. I mean, I don't have, I don't have my little checklist like little Danny Keck wire. That's Danny Keck wire. Danny Keck wire. And he and he checks them all off at the end. He does, and she and Sawyer even adds one. Get get the girl. Get the girl. Although he didn't really get a big part in anything. Shh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, don't you can't check that one off. It's fine. I mean, well, and also in this movie, it's Wooly B Mammoth, right? Yes, Wooly, Wooly... B Mammoth. Oh no, L B Mammoth is part of is in is played by George Kennedy, who is in charge of Mammoth Studios. Yeah, he's but the I was like, guy. why is it a human? Yeah, it. That, I mean, I mean, because it's supposed to be Louis B. Mayer, but yeah, it's weird that I mean they have the elephant character that I love that they make him they make him up to be a mammoth every time, so he could do his little <laughs> mammoth intro, which is hysterical to me. But yeah, it's weird that he's not. They sort of play him up like he's the old big guy in charge but he's not it's the human it's it's, it's weird i mean we're also men in our old elder years <laughs> not, not <sighs> huh, huh, complaining about a, a movie that is almost 30 <laughs> years old at this point wow that i think they try are trying to still bury it i think we've talked now more about the film than and Warner Brothers or Turner Classic Movies or whoever owns the rights to this now. Yeah, we it's will. It's a shame. Are you, are you on a mission, Mark, to like make everyone remember this movie? I am. Well, I don't think anyone's going to remember it because I don't think anyone knew about it to begin with. So I'm just on a mission to teach everyone about the cinematic masterpiece of Cats Don't Dance, which they never say in the film, I don't think. Cats don't, they never say the words cats don't dance. Yeah, that is a weird title, because, like, they're all dancing the whole fucking time. Yeah, it's like, cats aren't allowed to dance, is what they're trying to say. Cats shouldn't dance. Yeah, but cats aren't allowed to dance doesn't have a nice... Yeah, it doesn't have that zing, that, that zip. Yeah, it doesn't have a nice ring to it. It's like, oh, we're trying to hide the racism in this. It's like... They are trying to talk about racism in this movie by not talking about it. You know what I yeah, mean? Well, it's sort of like Wicked, right? With her green skin. Yeah, but at least it's a little heavier handed on that one because then in Wicked, there's the whole subplot about the animals and the animals are representing the others. Mm-hmm, so in this mm-hmm. one, again, it's the animals where the animals can only get a certain type of gig, aka the butler the the um servant Mm -hmm. but also the way that darla treats them is still happening yeah darla could be starring in funny girl today oh (laughs) i'm so glad you said it because i didn't want to 
What? Well, I didn't mean anything by that. I don't know what you're implying, but oh, uh, oh boy, you know, definitely saw a lot of that. I was like, "Oop, is she threatening to shit in someone's wig right now?" <laughs> is that what's happening? Big and loud. Oh God. Yeah, I feel like though, with your proposed stage version, we have to just go there. Like we can't pussyfoot around things. We have to just be like, no. The mission statement of this is to talk about the blatant racism in classic Hollywood as well as today. The end. Right. And then, you know, have Danny, who should be played by an actor of color, really learn the hard way that his dreams, especially for someone like him, do not come that easily. Right. Um, the, The hard truth. And then, you know, you get your... You, you want to get the old Hollywood ending in there, too. But where do you draw the line of what would really happen? I mean, well, keeping in mind that this is a kid's animated movie and you want to have a happy ending. So how do you balance those two? Would this have worked if it would? Well, do you think this movie worked, first of all, as it is? When I was rewatching, I was like, I find Darla so funny and just so deliciously evil. And there's enough good in it that I think I excuse a lot of the shortcomings and I, you could just feel that this didn't have any faith behind it from the studio I mean you could just feel yeah the the cutting and the scraping by to make this film so I, I feel like I give it the benefit of the doubt and for me it works but I could see how someone would say that it doesn't but well, I think it hits the beats would it work more if it was like like who framed roger rabbit where it was part live action part animation i don't think so i don't think so i agree with you where half the lessons but also like the humor comes from the fact that darla is animated and she's climbing this wall of buttons and switches and everything trying to murder these animals and but each it, one turns on a bigger effect for the stage. I mean... But she's helping them, in a way. Yeah. I mean, that's hysterical. And, like, the the big fight, climax fight with Max, and he's on the giant Darla balloon. I mean, and then my favorite is when he the balloon pops and he's, like, flying over France. And, and he, he hears her screaming from Hollywood, and he says, we missed him. <laughs> I mean, that's just funny yeah visual gags like that yeah which obviously couldn't work on stage but But it's it's really upsetting that they didn't even try it feels like like to promote it or anything they didn't do any promotional budget like there's whatsoever there was a point in the movie that it did feel like the kids were running the asylum or something the the inmates were running the asylum where they're just like mom and dad are out of the house let's do whatever no pants yeah, it's like I feel like they were kind of like, okay, let's finish this movie before they realize we're still in the building, and uh, just, just put it on laserdisc and have it be out there before, before they ask too many questions. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, if it was ninety minutes at least, they think they could have put in a lot more uh, weight to the story. I feel like it's got all the. So I mean, you could have maybe had a one or two more production numbers, but um, I feel like the humor is all there. It just needed a little more heart. Mm. Yes. 
I mean, Danny's Arrival song could be considered an I Want song, but I feel like I needed like a I Want ballady song. Yeah. There's not a there's not a lot of ballads in this. No, it's really just Sawyer's song, right? She has a song, right? She like does. Mine. Yeah, big and loud. The reprise is a little bit of like the mischievous ballad in a way. It's slow, but mm. it's still like I'm evil, ha ha ha. Yeah. But I feel like yeah, I needed like a a slow song where with like Danny and a ukulele or something like that. Yes, totally. Make make another Gene Kelly rep. Nope, that was Fred Astaire. One of them. Make a re- another reference to one it's, of them. You know, it's all the same genre. Yeah, him and the little what Pudge Pudge the penguin. The penguin, yeah. Just some, yeah. just something, just so, yeah. I agree. It's just it was like a lot of high energy, a lot of big numbers, a lot of chaos happening, especially when. Well, no, she sings big and loud, but I feel like the whole that whole scene could have been a song, really. Where she's talking about the plan to bring in uh, LB Mammoth or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that could have been more like Poor Unfortunate Souls or something like that. Yeah, that, that could have been fun, which I feel like, yeah, would have been great. But doesn't doesn't Sawyer have a ballad? Like, she does. or... Tell me lies. The Natalie Cole big song. That's after the debacle where he's on his way home, I believe, or he's about to leave. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. I just watched this the other day. You think I would remember? I just watched this and it's leaving my brain. <laughs> All I remember is big and loud. It's stuck in my brain. She has two loud. songs. She has she has that one, and there's another one that happens earlier. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Uh, tell me lies she sings. Or am I just making shit up? I think I'm making shit up. I think you're making shit up. Yeah, she's only... She sings Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now at the end with Scott Bakula, but... Right, but yeah, yeah. That's it. Which I feel like they could have had a better finale. I feel like you can move Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now to earlier in Act 2. Or even Act 1 finale. Something. It could be better. This it could be more. The score. It could be more. You could do more. It could be more. It could be bigger, louder. Uh, Mark, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat? Ooh, I love the. I love when when Sawyer when Danny is ruining Sawyer's life in the opening. That to me is a fun little bit. Yeah, and perfectly it, it, encapsulates Sawyer and Danny's personalities in the at, at the beginning, where she's just like so down on her luck, and he's so oblivious. He's like, "Oh, it's raining, huh? Whatever. <laughs> it's raining when I got in here." Dumbass. Yeah. Dumbass. All right, let's get into sharp and flat, shall we? Sure. Sharp. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And I had some trouble with this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, it felt fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. This was a relaxing movie. Um, If I had kids, I would probably, like you, maybe throw it on once or twice and we'll never talk about it again. (laughs) But, Just like the executives at Time yes. Warner. So, 
my sharp, I only have one sharp, and it was Max. I thought he had the greatest jokes. Like, yes, the, vis- yes, the visual yes. of him being however feet tall in every scene, it's always different. Um, in one scene, he's wearing, like, a frilly apron, <laughs> which I found hilarious. And, like, the fact that he will, he's basically, like, Darla's dad without being related to her, question mark? Mm-hmm. Mm, question mark. So... I love Max is great, and he he's doing her like face mask and like her hair. Yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff. Although, yeah, he is like the the heavy for the villain, literally. Um, Mm. But like, even what you said about like he's in France and he goes, "We miss, (laughs) we miss Darla, whatever." And I'm like, that's funny. It cracks me. Up. I'm gonna say we miss Dimple for the rest of my life. We miss Dimple. All of, and you're all of Max. Max is so good. He's such and just so huge. I love the scale of him. Yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous. It's always different, always. But he's always enormous. He just bursts through the wall. There's a moment after Little Boat on the Sea where he threatens Danny about like what what does it or what do cats say or whatever what does the kitty cat say yeah and then when he's leaving <laughs> he just like puffs into air and you're like what is happening it's so funny yeah max is definitely sharp uh what are what are your sharps uh, darla i love i love darla i love her songs i love that she's got branded merch everywhere her toothbrush and toothpaste that are Darla branded. I mean, that just kills me. Um, and just yeah, the way she's animated, so that that sickening, sweet but evil underneath is is hysterical to me. Yes. Um, do you have any other sharps? Those are, those are my main sharps, Max and okay. Max and Darla. So I I really only have one flat, and that is Danny's naivete. Yeah, he's yeah. so dumb. He's if just... he grew from it, if he if he had an arc where he you're was right, in, he did fresh off grow. the bus from from but fresh off the the bus from Kokomo, Indiana, uh, which I thought was such a specific reference. I was like, what's what it is about Kokomo? I was like, is that where Gene Kelly's from? No, they just picked Kokomo. Oh, see, I went to the Beach Boys song. Way down in Kokomo. Kokomo. Yeah. But, like, you're right. He doesn't grow. He no. does defeat the villain, but he still doesn't learn anything. No, he affects... He changes everyone else and makes everyone else happy. Or, But, yeah, no, he has no growth or, or character he's, development. He's not like, I learned a lot this one week in Hollywood. <laughs> My first week in Hollywood. My first week. Oh God! I flooded a studio. I, I mean, it's again. It's how much do you want an animated musical about talking cats to be grounded in reality? Right. It's a fine, fine line. Yes. But they're the ones. They've got it's such just... a great platform for this discussion with they the way they've set up this world of animals, and they're the lower tier. Um. That it seems like a, a shame to waste it. Um, and although, I mean, although he does have a good line towards the end there where he's like, 
I'm gonna paraphrase it, where he talks about like if you're also miserable, why are you still here? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's clearly like they all love the, love working in the industry. It's just that it takes a spark for change to happen. And Danny yep. and Danny Catguire does it in his one week in Hollywood. Danny Catguire ignites the fire of rebellion. Yes. And changes the lives of Hollywood forever. Uh, what were your flats for this? I don't like the generic uh, song. That's not really a song. Nobody sings it. I think it's the one where he's on the bus over the like the credits. Oh. I'm on my way. Like I don't know. Yeah. Like, oh no! You could give us a real song that somebody's singing in the show. And I just wanted more. It was too short. It was too short. Really? I just wanted more. I wanted. I wanted more. That that I other. Feel like there was more minutes. story to tell that that they could have. Filled in, filled in with. They didn't need to pad it out. They needed to deepen it. I feel like the, the the executives were like, no, 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 no feelings, no, no, no sad, no, none of that. It's a kids show. Just make it happy. Cut all that crap out, and we'll be out, you know, in seventy five minutes. And that's what they got. So wait, do you have this on home video version of this? I know. I just have a digital. Oh, okay, I didn't know if there was any sort of deleted scenes or something that you had that was on no 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 and i'm sure there's none of that if if they were even made they destroyed uh, it all oh it's in a vault somewhere a high security vault um the 50th anniversary brain implant edition of cats don't dance oh 2035 yes that's the future it's gonna be the first one cats don't dance Right into the brain. Right into. <laughs> uh, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Big and loud. It's on my playlist. See, there wasn't really one for me. There wasn't no. one that like really stuck out. Again, it was a nice movie. It was just very middling. Yeah, you know? and it could be just how I'm wa- how I watched it today and everything, but like. I don't think so. I think this is just like a... Now, do you have a big love? I mean, I'm sure you appreciate it, but do you love like old Gene Kelly movies? Is that like your jam? Okay, so if you... With no judgments. I'm just curious. It, in past episodes, I've had therapy sessions with my guests over Gene Kelly because <laughs> he is a terrible human being behind the camera. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. I've read too many stories about whenever he was director choreographer for things that especially singing in the rain that's where it all starts where he was a terrible terrible human being so i've had therapy sessions literally during episodes to talk about gene kelly and yes he's very attractive and but he's always playing the cad or like i don't like his character but like mm. he's he's so charming and he smiles and i get it he lights up a room. Man can dance. I, I'll give him... I, I can't argue, like, you know, he is not, like, one of the best dancers ever. But, like, as a human, I have very conflicting emotions towards him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I get that. That, that. that era of movie musicals, even non-Gene Kelly musicals. Yeah, no, like I the- do like them, yes. And, like, I, I like the... I got the references that they were making in this movie. It's just that... I don't know. I feel like 
I, I know I'm not, the, I feel like I disassociated because I'm like, this isn't for me. This is just for an mm. episode of my podcast. I am, I don't think I would have sought this movie out to watch it because um, during this time I was watching Hercules or the Disney, Ren- the other Disney Renaissance movies. Like those movies I would probably seek out more than I would Cats Don't Dance. Yeah. I mean, Hercules is one of my favorite. When I read that this beat Hercules, I was shocked. Yes. Hercules is, I mean, top tier. And it should also be noted that this won a Saturn Award. Well, there you go. Cats Don't Dance in 1998 won the Saturn Award for Best Home Video Release. Well, you know, and a lot of people who worked on this, on Cats Don't Dance, went on to then go back to Disney and work on Emperor's New Groove, which is one of my favorite uh... movies. That was also supposed to be much more of a musical movie than it ended up being, but that's a whole other can of worms. But uh, yes. So that's a similar, uh, I guess not somewhat similar style, similar sense of humor, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I've always been a cartoon kids movie guy, like always. Yeah, I grew up like three minutes from Disneyland, so I've always been, my whole life, I've been cartoon guy. So, but the, but there's something about this one that I don't know. I think I think I would have rather have just watched Singing in the Rain again than watch <laughs> this. No, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I mean, uh, yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah, because fair enough. Is, clearly so for you cats didn't dance i mean they did dance i watched them dance but it was yes they did the thing it just wasn't i I don't i i don't know i just didn't i don't i i didn't like overly enjoy myself how's that like there was there was some times where i'm like okay that's so cool there were times that i laughed there are times that i was definitely looking at my phone because i needed Mm -hmm. to distract myself from the from the thing that i'm supposed to be watching because <laughs> hi millennial um but yeah all right fair enough it's not bad it's not bad trust me i've seen hot garbage for for this podcast and we've talked about how it's hot garbage this is just this is just lukewarm this is warm yeah warm refuse yeah it's 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 fu- it was fine yeah it's, i mean it, at least it's a good com- like for you with someone with kids it's a good conversation to be like Mm -hmm. this is how hollywood was and kind of is and then it's a nice doorway into like old hollywood movies or like talking about the metaphor when they're a little older and can comprehend more Mm -hmm. like i'm sure your eldest would probably pick up on the racist tones now probably much more now yeah than when when she first watched it yeah, when it was just singing and dancing cats. So I this this is a good I I I I would I will I will recommend this movie, but like maybe like I will recommend it more so for parents to then be like this is the a gateway movie for other movies or like other conversations. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Do you know those old? Um like Looney Tunes cartoons where it's really not Looney Tunes. It's just like an old Hollywood party and they're all caricatures of like Hollywood stars. Yes. Yes. So if, and for me, I always loved those cartoons. So it reminds me of like an extended one of those with a little story thrown in there. 
Very little story. Very little. St- I love it though. Uh, I fell in love with this movie. I'm glad. And on that note, Mark, we're done with the episode. We're done. I know that was a fast hour, wasn't it? That's it. That was that was almost as long as the film itself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we uh, could have watched it in real time. We could, yeah, we could have just totally. <laughs> we would have been. Given our reactions right here in live. We uh, miss Dimple. We. What do you have to plug or promote? Oh, just please go to my YouTube channel, Broadway by Ghostlight. Subscribe. I have, uh, I do Prop Table Tuesdays every Tuesday where I show off a prop for my Broadway prop collection. And then I do Broadway breakdowns. I just did one on 70 Girl 70 from 1971, a flop show from Kander and Ebb. Oh. And coming up soon, I've got Annie Warbucks, the sequel to Annie, where I'm breaking down that show and the plot. So, oh, boy. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I love that curly-haired redhead. Where can people, the good people, find you? Uh, Broadway Bay Ghostlight on YouTube, at B-Way Ghostlight on all the socials. And that's where you can find me. And that's where I found him because hounded him to come on here. Uh, and so glad you did. Thank you. Oh, this is I, fun. I love being asked to do fun things. Yeah, I mean, and this is a great this is great exposure for me because like um, I've never heard of this movie. I'm sure people who are going to listen to this would be like, "What is this movie? What the yeah? What the fuck is this movie?" Um, Just get really stoned watch it you'll have a great fucking time and if you got really stoned and watched this movie let me know you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at buttersongpod uh is darla dimple one of your favorite non-disney villains Ooh, that's a good question yes yeah i mean i just she brings me so much joy i'm not one of those people who usually like simps over the villains but i love darla dimple and i like the button of her demise joke where she's the one that's putting up the the end poster and it like falls off and wraps like yes that's a good that was a good button of it yeah Um, a little comeuppance but if you want to be part of next episode's conversation we'll be talking about another adorable little girl and we'll be talking about the 1982 movie, Annie. Ooh, I did the national tour of Annie. I worked it. And Martin Charnin, who wrote Annie, was on it. And you were not allowed to talk to him about the film version of Annie. Oh, You were not allowed one. to bring it up. This one, the yeah, 1982 the, one. The 82 one. So take that for what you will. Yikes. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. Um... And bye for now. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.